Hello, we are the Yoon family. Our scripture reading today comes from Exodus chapter 16, verse 1 through 4. This is the reading of God's word. The whole Israelite community set out to Elam and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough food for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they follow my instructions. This is the word of the Lord. Well, again, happy Sunday, everyone. Uh, if you're new or visiting for the first time, our church has been in a series through the Lord's Prayer. Uh, this prayer that so many of us learned as kids, but uh, maybe never really quite understood. And, and each week we're using various texts in scripture to help us unpack the meaning behind each phrase in this prayer. And uh, if you've been with us for the past few weeks, uh, you know that we've now gotten through the first half of the prayer that goes, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And I mentioned this last week, but what Jesus is trying to do in this first half of the prayer is to help us fix our gaze on heaven, to align ourselves with the heart of God, to shift our perspective in such a way that we begin to see the world and people through God's eyes. And this is so important as we move now to the second half of this prayer, which begins with the phrase, give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. This is usually most people's favorite part of the Lord's Prayer because uh, finally we get to talk about us. We get to talk about our needs. And uh, if we're honest, I think this is why most of us pray, to get our needs met. And I think it's so intentional that Jesus places this petition in the middle of the prayer, not at the beginning, because he knows our natural inclination is always to start with me. Help me. Give me. Bless me. Well, if that's the case, why include this phrase at all? And I think it's Jesus' way of reminding us that this God who resides in heaven who is so beyond our comprehension, who is holy and transcendent and perfect in every way, still cares about our everyday needs. He's not just this distant being somewhere out there in the clouds, but he's a good father who's intimately involved in the ordinary details of our lives. And it's as though Jesus is saying, now that we've established who it is you're praying to, ask away. Ask him for what you need. In Matthew 7, Jesus says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Now, that's a very dangerous thing to tell people, uh, particularly those of us living in America in 2021, because, I mean, let's be honest, we want a lot of things. I mean, there has never been a generation more addicted to stuff than we are today. You know, they say the average American household has more than 300,000 items in it, most of it collecting dust. You know, a few weeks ago, I mentioned a documentary I watched on Netflix called Less Is Now. 
And the entire premise of the documentary is that we live in the most advertised to culture in the history of the world. And what this bombardment of ads is doing to us is that it's creating in all of us this perceived need for more. More money, more clothes, more followers, more stuff. And this perceived need traps us into this vicious cycle of consumerism that's predicated on the notion that if you just acquire more things, then you'll be happy. I mean, you can't just get any stroller for your newborn. You gotta get the best stroller because why wouldn't you want the best for your child? Right? And what these ads are designed to do is they're designed to make you feel inadequate if you don't have something someone else does. They're designed to make you feel as though what you have is not enough. Your body is not enough. Your skin is not enough. Your home is not enough. Your lifestyle is not enough. You are not enough. Well, so what do we do? We buy more things. And it's never been easier to get the things we want. You know, anything you can think of, you can get on your doorstep in 24 hours. And so we buy and we acquire and we hoard, thinking that at some point we're going to find that thing that's going to satisfy our deepest longings. And so let me start today by asking all of you a question. What is that thing for you? That thing you say, if I just had that, I think I'd be good. If I just had that, I think I'd feel secure. I think I'd finally be content. I think I'd finally have enough. Because if we're honest, these are the things we spend most of our time asking God for. I mean, he's no different than Amazon. He's just a means to get what we think we need in order to be happy. But if you notice in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus is very specific as to how we're supposed to ask and what exactly we're supposed to ask for. Give us this day our daily bread. You know, he's not just referring to something general here. He's very intentional about every word. Give us this day our daily bread. And as modern readers, we might not recognize it, but for the Jews whom Jesus was speaking to, there would have been an immediate connection made between this phrase and the story of their ancestors in the wilderness. It's a story they grew up hearing. It's a story they were very familiar with. And it's this story we're looking at today here in Exodus 16. And now let me kind of set the stage for us. Right before this, you have the famous story of God splitting the Red Sea in half in order to deliver his people from 400 years of oppression and injustice in Egypt. And then here in Exodus 16, not even three months go by and God's people are already grumbling. Less than three months ago, they watched God literally split the sea in half and they're already saying, but what have you done for me lately? Sound familiar? You've been waiting for your dream job. God finally gives it to you and not even a week goes by and you're complaining about it already. You've been praying for a bigger house and God finally gives it to you and not even a month goes by and you're already on Redfin or Zillow looking at other houses. Right? Those of you with kids know that you can give your kids the greatest day of their lives. You can, take their, you can take them to Disneyland, you can buy them every single overpriced treat they want, and the next day, it's like it never happened. You're back to square one. They're saying things to you like, 
you never do anything nice for us. And you're like, wait, was yesterday a dream? Because I'm pretty sure I spent half my paycheck on your churros. And this is what's happening here. The Israelites are saying, what is this? We should have just died in Egypt. At least in Egypt, we had pots of meat. At least in Egypt, we had all the food we wanted. I mean, if I were God, I would have been like, you ungrateful people. Rescuing you from slavery wasn't enough? You want more? I mean, if you miss it that much, go back there. But this isn't what God does. He calls over Moses. He says, look, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to rain down bread from heaven. And you're going to tell your people to go out each day and gather enough. But listen to this. Gather enough for that day. Not that month. Not that year. That day. And he says, I'm going to test you to make sure you follow these instructions. Meaning, I'm going to feed you. I'm going to provide what you need. But I'm going to do it in a very specific way that's going to require you to trust me every day. Don't think about having enough to eat tomorrow. Don't think about having enough to eat the next day or the day after that. Just gather enough for that day. Well, if you've read this story before, uh, you know what happens next. Uh, the Israelites, in typical Israelite fashion, they can't do it. They can't resist the urge to hoard when the manna is right there for the taking. I mean, we all know what that's like. You know, we go to Costco and, and, and you know there's no way you're going to eat a pie that big. But I mean, why not? It's right there. Better to be safe than sorry, right? Better to plan ahead. I mean, you can never have enough. I mean, what if the manna doesn't come tomorrow? What if I lose my job tomorrow? What if my parents get sick and I don't have enough money to support them? What if I can't feed my kids? That's going to be on me which is exactly what the Israelites are thinking. They're thinking, but what if God doesn't come through tomorrow? I mean, it's right in front of me, so why not? And so what happens, they grab a little extra manna for the road, only to realize the next morning that the bread has now completely rotted and is covered in maggots. And what God is trying to teach his people here in the wilderness in this time and place where they're constantly wondering if they have enough, is that he's going to give them enough if they just depend on him daily. Yeah, they don't know for sure if they're going to have bread tomorrow. But the fact that there's bread at all in the middle of a desert at that should be reason enough for them to believe and trust that God will give them what they need. What a message for us in 2021. I mean, talk about wandering in the wilderness. Talk about not knowing what tomorrow holds. Talk about being anxious and afraid. And God says, stop worrying about whether you'll have enough next month, whether you'll have enough next year or in five years. I'm going to give you enough for today. Okay, but what about, I'm going to give you enough for today. But God, what if I'm going to give you enough for today? Give us this day, our daily bread. This day. Now, to be honest, I don't think there's ever been a time in human history when it's been more difficult to pray this prayer. I mean, if you think about it, at the end of the day, you know, the Israelites, 
they had no choice but to trust God because even if they could store their food, I mean, even if they had a place to store their manna, there were no refrigerators back then. Okay, so they, they couldn't store it even if they wanted to. But that's not the case for us. Not only do we have refrigerators upon refrigerators stocked with food, we live in a culture that makes us feel completely inadequate if we aren't prepared for the apocalypse. Right? They now have insurance for everything. They have earthquake insurance, they have wedding insurance, bed bug insurance. You know, they even have something called alien abduction insurance. And if you don't believe me, go look it up. You know, last year, I think uh, a company gave out 30,000 policies on alien abduction insurance. In our culture, you can never be too prepared. You got to open a Roth IRA. You need a 529 for your kids. You need to invest in the stock market. You need to buy Dogecoin. And they convince you that if you miss the boat on any of these things, your future is in jeopardy. You know, I'm sure a lot of you are, are feeling your blood pressure rise even just hearing me talk about these things. And again, this goes back to that constant need for more. That constant nagging feeling that what you're doing and what you have and who you are is not enough. Now, there's obviously nothing wrong with financial planning. You know, there's nothing wrong with saving for retirement. In fact, I think these are signs of wise stewardship. Okay, so please hear me when I say this. Don't go throwing your money away saying, wait, Jason told me in the sermon today to just keep enough for one day. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that we're living in a world right now where it's easier than ever to convince ourselves that all these things will somehow give us the security we desire. To believe the lie that if we just buy more things, if we just make the right moves, if we just plan ahead and make smart decisions, that somehow we'll be safe. And isn't it funny how 2020 was this big signpost that screamed out to us, you have no control over your life. And yet so many of us still interpreted it as telling us we needed more control over our lives, that we needed more things, that we needed more savings and more preparation. Because I mean, who knows when the next global pandemic is going to happen, right? And we got to be prepared. We got to plan ahead. And what God is trying to get us to see is that we're never going to have enough to make us feel safe. I mean, the fact that the Israelites had the ability to say, take us back to Egypt because at least we had a lot of food there. I mean, that statement alone should tell you that a person can have a beautiful house, can wear designer clothes and drive expensive cars and make more money they could spend in a lifetime and still be a slave. Why is it that we live in greater abundance than any generation in the history of the world and yet anxiety levels are at an all-time high? Why is it that depression levels are at an all-time high? Why is it that suicide rates keep going up? It's because no matter how much you have, it's never going to be enough. And God is saying, look, I know that you feel this need to acquire and save and hoard so that you can be free of your fear and anxiety, but you will never be free until you learn how to depend on me every day of your life. You will never be free until you learn how to pray this prayer every morning when you wake up. Give us this day our daily bread. You know, some of us are so busy thinking and worrying about every possible future scenario 
that we forget to enjoy God's mercies that are new every morning. You see, we don't know what tomorrow holds, but we do know that God will provide what we need today. Now notice I said what we need, not what we want, what we need. It doesn't say give us to stay a new relationship. It doesn't say give us to stay a new job. Give us to stay some better co-workers. It says give us to stay our daily bread. Give us only that which we need and nothing else. You see, a person can live a long time on just bread and water. And what Jesus is getting at is that when you pray this prayer, give us this day our daily bread, God may not always give you that steak dinner. God may not always give you your favorite dessert. He may not always give you what you want or what you envisioned in your mind, but he will always make sure you have what you need. And that will always be enough. You see, at the end of the day, we live in a world full of hangry people. Okay, and those of you with husbands or wives or, or brothers or sisters who get hangry, you know what that's like. You know, people say and do some crazy things when they're hangry. Uh, sometimes when Carol's in a mood and she's just walking around the house a little louder than usual, you know, folding the laundry really violently, I just bring over some food and she's good to go. You see, sometimes we don't even know what we really need and all our pursuits and planning and preparation, when we really take a moment to reflect on them, they're just symptoms of our anger. We walk around like the Israelites, grumbling, complaining that we don't have enough, willing to become slaves in order to find security and acceptance and love, not realizing that every single thing we need comes from God's hand alone. And isn't it interesting that of all the metaphors Jesus could have used for himself, he chooses bread. In John 6, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. He's saying that security you're so desperately looking for, that satisfaction you think you'll find in a relationship or money or popularity or just more stuff, only I can fill that void. Because you might be able to secure a comfortable retirement in this life. Yeah, you might be able to secure your kid's education. But what about after that? You might be able to travel to some nice places and buy some nice things. But you're still going to die at some point. And when that time comes, it will not matter how much generational wealth you have amassed or how many possessions you own. We all know you won't be able to take any of it with you. And so when Jesus calls himself the bread of life, he's saying, I am the only source of true and lasting peace and security in this life, and I promise to never let you go hungry. And the way he seals that promise is by giving us himself. This is why Jesus, on the night he's betrayed, he takes bread and he breaks it, saying, this is my body broken for you. How can we trust that God will give us what we need today? Because he sacrificed his own life on a cross so that you and I would be fed. You know, now I want to get a little bit practical here because you may be wondering, well, what does daily dependence on God actually look like? What does it look like to live in a way that bears witness to God's generosity and provision? And I would say this, the biggest litmus test 
of whether or not you are living in daily dependence on God is how tight your grip is on the things you have. Do you live with open hands or closed hands? Is your natural instinct to give away your time, your money, and your resources to those in need, or is your natural instinct to buy more, hoard more, and store things up for yourself? In the first mindset, you live believing that nothing you have is yours, and you gladly give it away, knowing that you have a Heavenly Father who will provide everything you need. In the second mindset, you believe that what you have belongs to you and you alone. And you buy into the false notion that if you don't take care of yourself, nobody else will. One is a mindset of abundance. The other is a mindset of scarcity. A mindset that says, there isn't enough for all of us, so I have to hoard as much as I can. It's what you saw at the beginning of the pandemic, when people were hoarding more toilet paper and hand sanitizer than they could use in a lifetime. And the question for all of us today is, how will we choose to live? With open hands or closed hands? With a mindset of abundance or a mindset of scarcity? You know, what's really interesting about this phrase, give us this day our daily bread, is that it doesn't say, give me this day my daily bread. It says, give us this day our daily bread. It's a communal prayer. We're asking God not only to provide for me, but for us, the entire community, that God would meet all of our needs. And do you know how God often answers this prayer? Through you and me. You know, I can't remember how many times I have prayed for God's help and provision for me or my family, and how many times that prayer was answered by people in this very church, people who have chosen to live with open hands, people who see their time, money, and energy as not something to be grasped, but something to be freely dispensed to those in need. And every time I experience this, I get a taste of the gospel. I get a glimpse of Jesus, the bread of life, who did not see equality with God as something to be grasped, but took on the form of a servant and humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Why? Also that you and I would be fed. Also that you and I would have our deepest needs and longings satisfied. Friends, I know many of us tuning in today are anxious and afraid. Afraid of failure. Afraid of not having enough. Afraid of not being able to provide for our loved ones. Afraid of not being able to make it through this season. And trust me, I know it can be so overwhelming when we start thinking about the future and, and it's like this heavy weight on our shoulders. But this morning, I want us to remember Jesus' words in Matthew 11. And I especially love the message version of this text. It says this, Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. He's saying, walk with me day by day, and I'll show you what real rest feels like. 
You may not know what tomorrow holds, but I'm going to give you all the grace you need for today. And that's our hope, that this same God who stopped at nothing to secure our fate for all of eternity is the same God who gives us immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. Friends, may we learn to live freely and lightly by humbly entrusting each day to God's loving care. Let's pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Uh, well, at this time, we want to respond to this word with a song of praise. Uh, during the song, we're also going to be collecting our tithes and offering. Uh, if you're new to our church or visiting citizens for the first time, uh, please don't feel pressured in any way to give. Uh, but for those of you who would call citizens your home, uh, we do believe that giving is an act of worship. It's an opportunity for us to respond to who God is and what He's done. And especially in light of the sermon today, I want to remind us that we don't give because God needs our money. We don't give because God needs anything from us. We give as an act of resistance to this culture that tells us there isn't enough, that tells us we don't have enough and we have to clutch and hoard the things that we have. It's an opportunity for us to practice what it means to live with open hands. And so I want to encourage you, uh, use this opportunity to give in response to God's lavish generosity toward us. You'll see a link to our giving page in the caption below. You'll also see a number you can text on the screen. And with that, let's worship together. <laughs> 